The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, Jesus said, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on, his, on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. During the celebrations in London on Victory in Europe Day back in May of 1945, there were two members of the great throng outside of Buckingham Palace that might have surprised a few people if they had known who they were. We are saturated with media now and we recognize everybody. Of course, there are screens and televisions and phones and newspaper and magazine pictures of every celebrity and every ruler everywhere, so we would recognize people. But back then it wasn't, wasn't quite so, and so those two girls that were out celebrating with the throng were relatively anonymous. They were the daughters of the King of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. They were Princess Elizabeth and her sister, Princess Margaret. They saw all the people celebrating that the war was over and they wanted to go out and celebrate too. And there are various story, ways the story is told, but it did at least happen. Whether or not they were chaperoned or not, who knows, but they were there. And I'm sure many people rubbed shoulders with the future Queen Elizabeth II and her sister without even knowing it. You also probably might not have heard this story, but it has a similar vein. The author of the Harry Potter books, J.K. Rowling, she wanted to see if she could write something and be praised for her writing, not for her name. Everybody knew who she was. She'd had fame and commercial success from the books that she had written. So, under a nom de plume, under a pen name, a different name, she wrote other books and had them go out and be published and circulated. And she would read the reviews, and her publisher would too, of course, just to see, am I really a good writer or do just people think that I'm a good writer? 
And of course, a few reviews have finally figured it out who it was. I guess her writing style was such to where it didn't take too long for them to figure it out, but not before a few positive reviews were written. And then there is my favorite other instance of somebody interacting with people or a person they don't know who it is, and it's depicted, and I think this is the second time I've referenced the movie Patton since I've been here in a sermon, so I've reached my quota for the year. We'll start again next year after January 1st. But during the movie Patton, you see an instance when General Omar Bradley is driving in a battle that he's in in his Jeep, and a rocket comes in, or a, a mortar, and they have to get out of the Jeep, and his helmet, with his stars being a general, falls off. And so he goes and takes his gun, like any other soldier, and dives into a ditch next to a bunch of other soldiers, and they don't know who he is. And one of the soldiers says to this guy that just dove in, this slightly older gentleman, uh, this is crazy, whoever's in charge of this doesn't know what he's doing, and General Bradley said, whoever he is, he ought to be hung. Well, all of these people had something similar, something in common, and they are interacting with people who they don't know who it is. There's a person in front of them. They know that they're talking about it or writing about him in the, in the case of Rowling, but they're not exactly sure about the identity. They are, in effect, anonymous. Now, this sort of thing happens in the church all the time. I'm not talking about folks coming to church that you don't know their name or know them or they're a visitor. And no, I'm not talking about somebody who's a celebrity or famous coming into church incognito, wearing a hat or something like that, as it were. But rather, we interact with people in the church that we don't know who it really is all the time and that we are interacting with the Lord himself. Now, in the Bible, sometimes people interact with the Lord, and they know it. They know that it is God himself that they are speaking with. In the Old Testament, you have Abraham and his wife Sarah being visited by the Lord, along with two angels in Genesis chapter 18, and he honors him as such. You have later on Abraham's grandson, Jacob, wrestling with a man who he knows at the end, at least by the end, that it is the Lord, and that's where his name is rechanged from Jacob to Israel. But also, you have people that interact with the Lord, and they don't know it. They don't know who it is they are speaking with. They don't know that it is God Almighty right in front of them. The example that I would think comes to mind for you that is in the Gospel of Luke Probably one of the most prominent examples of this is when Jesus has risen from the dead on Easter Sunday, and there are two despondent disciples who don't believe the reports. They've heard them, but they don't know them to be true, walking on their way to a town called Emmaus. And Jesus is with them, walking alongside of them, but he is hidden from their eyes. And they're explaining to him their disappointment, how we thought he was to be the Christ, but he was crucified an insult to injury, there are reports that he is risen. And then he explains the scriptures to them along the way before later on he reveals himself to be who he is. You see, these sorts of things, these appearances, they may seem extra extraordinary, special, something that only people in the Bible got to experience. Well, pastors telling a story about what Abraham and Jacob got to do and see with the Lord and about these two special disciples, that happened, sure, but for those people, 
who had that privilege. Why not? They're in the Bible. Shouldn't they get to interact with the Lord in the flesh? It seems extraordinary, but dear friends, indeed, it is not. It's not an earth-shattering revelation in our gospel lesson this evening that God judges the world. We confess it every week in the creed, and there's plenty of other passages in the Bible in which we know explicitly, yes, God judges and will judge, finally, once and for all, all people who have ever lived. But in tonight's passage from the gospel, what's remarkable is how that judgment is framed. How it happens, the criteria, as it were, by which it happens. You see, everybody knows who believes in God that you should honor him. Yes, yes, of course, we know that we should obey his laws and rules as best that we can. But also we know that we should honor his person, show respect to him, deference to him. And many people knowing that think, well, yes, absolutely. And you know what? If God were right in front of me, standing right before me, I would certainly do it. I would honor him. I would show him respect and honor and the dignity that is due, well, the creator of the universe. Of course I would do it. But since he's not here, well, I don't have to go through all that much fuss then. I don't have to go through the trouble. He's not here to honor, to speak or act in respect towards, so no such necessary, no, no such effort is necessary. But that's the rub of the parable, isn't it? God is here to be honored and dishonored in our lives, individually, you, me, and every person, every Christian, God is here to be honored and dishonored in and through every other member of the Holy Christian Church. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul talks so beautifully about the church and Christ being a marriage. Christ is the bridegroom, the head, and the church is the bride, his body. They share all things in common. What's his is hers, and what's hers is his. And that sharing in common includes also honor and love. And when we remember that relationship, we can understand and see and understand a little better our Lord's parable this evening. We can see why at the separation Jesus does what he does, separating the sheep and the goats on the criteria that what you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. What you didn't do to the least of these, my brothers, you didn't do to me. You see, when it comes to the church and this judgment at the end, Jesus takes it personally because it is personal. To love a member of his body, to show love, to show honor, care, respect, and all the rest of it, is to show it to him. And to hate a member of his body, to despise, disregard, not forgive, all the rest, is to show that hatred to him. Greater than an angel unaware is he that is in, with, and under, not just bread and wine, but our brother and sister in Christ, 
our fellow Christians. So take this lesson to heart as you live your lives with your eyes pointed towards the end of all things. Love one another. Love your fellow members of the body of Christ. Just as we can't separate and shouldn't separate and shouldn't even want to separate the two tables of the law, love God and love your neighbor, we can't separate loving Christ and loving Christians. Those who belong to Jesus by faith are in him, and he is in them. He is in you. So let us then prove to the world and to our God our faith in our Lord and our Redeemer by loving our Redeemer through our brothers and our sisters in him. To him be all praise and glory now and forever. Amen.